So we're continuing our look uh, this morning at uh, the Old Testament book of Numbers, and uh, we're actually at the end of the uh, story of uh, Balaam and uh, Balak, and so um, uh, the last two kind of um, uh, oracles or prophecies that Balaam gives about uh, uh, the people of God. So we're going to take a few moments at the beginning uh, after I read the text. Uh, and talk just briefly about what the content of that is. And then uh, we're going to spend an extended period of time just talking about uh, uh, the, the nature of blessing, especially as, as it uh, relates to words. So um, let me read to you uh, from Numbers chapter 23, verses 27 through uh, chapter 24, 25. This is the word of God, and we should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. And Balak said to Balaam, come now, I will take you to another place. Perhaps it will please God that you may curse them for me from there. So Balak took Balaam to the top of Peor, which overlooks the desert. And Balaam said to Balak, build for me here seven altars and prepare for me here seven bulls and seven rams. And Balak did, as Balaam had said, and offered a bull and a ram on each altar. And when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord... To bless Israel, he did not go, as at other times, to look for omens, but set his face toward the wilderness. And Balaam lifted up his eyes and saw Israel camping tribe by tribe. And the Spirit of God came upon him, and he took up his discourse and said, The oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, the oracle of the man whose eye is opened, the oracle of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty falling down with his eyes uncovered. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, your encampments, O Israel, like palm groves that stretch afar, like gardens beside a river, like aloes that the Lord has planted, like cedar trees beside the waters. Water shall flow from his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt and is for him like the horns of the wild ox. He shall eat up the nations, his adversaries, and shall break their bones in pieces and pierce them through with his arrows. He crouched. He lay down like a lion and like a lioness who will rouse him up. Blessed are those who bless you and cursed are those who curse you. And Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam and he struck his hands together. And Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies and behold, you've blessed them these three times. Therefore, now flee to your own place. I said, I will certainly honor you, but the Lord has held back you, held you back from honor. And Balaam said to Balak, did I not tell your messengers whom you sent to me? If Balak should give me his house full of silver and gold, I would not be able to go beyond the word of the Lord to do either good or bad of my own will. What the Lord speaks, that will I speak. And now, behold, I am going to my people. Come, I will let you know what this people will do to your people in the latter days. And he took up his discourse and said, The oracle of Balaam, son of Beor, the oracle of the man whose eye is open, the oracle of him who hears the words of God and knows the knowledge of the Most High, sees the vision of the Almighty falling down with his eyes uncovered. I see him, but not now. I behold him. But not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. Edom shall be dispossessed. Seir also, his enemies shall be dispossessed. Israel is doing valiantly. 
And one from Jacob shall exercise dominion and destroy the survivors of the cities. And then he looked on Amalek and took up his discourse and said, Amalek was the first among the nations, but its end is utter destruction. And he looked on the Kenite and took up his discourse and said, Enduring is your dwelling place and your nest is set in the rock. Nevertheless, Cain shall be burned when Asher takes you away captive. And he took up his discourse and said, Alas, who shall live when God does this? But ships shall come from Katim and shall afflict Asher and Eber, and he too shall come to utter destruction. Then Balaam rose and went back to his place, and Balak also went his way. So, uh, AJ, go ahead and put my, my notes up there. So this has just been a one long story of frustration. Balak pays Balaam all this money to come and curse the people of God. And at turn after turn after turn after turn, he fails. Uh, Balaam can only say uh, to, uh, about God's people what God has told him. And God has said these people are blessed. And so the words that they have can only, uh, can only be blessing. So we have a third and a fourth oracle from, from Balaam. Now, the third one that we read gives us a picture of a prosperous, growing, and settled Israel. Notice uh, what he, he says there. He compares them to trees, right? He says they are uh, like grove, palm groves, like gardens beside a river, like aloes, uh, and like cedar trees, right? So one of the things that you have to see about this is, and there's some irony in this, that these people who are living in tents, remember they're up on a tall mountain looking down on the people, and they see them in their tents. Uh, what he's seeing about their future is that they'll be settled. They'll be like trees that are that are growing and that, uh, that are uh, established, right? Um, uh, and then the fourth oracle gives us a picture of the king, the scepter, the star, who will rise out of Israel and extend her borders and uh, crush her enemies. That is going to be most uh, quickly fulfilled in the kingship of David in about 300 years uh, when David establishes the borders of Israel. But ultimately, it will be done uh, when the Messiah comes, Jesus Christ, and extends his dominion, obviously, over uh, the whole uh, the whole world, right? So uh, note that these uh, people, uh, though many, there's lots of them, have no home yet, and they live in tents, right? And again, let me just remind you, because this, this comes into play here, this battle, this uh, conflict that's going between blessing and cursing, that's going on in the mountains above the people, uh, all the people are doing is camping. They are blissfully unaware that anything like this is happening uh, at, at, at all, right? And not only that, they really don't have a home yet. They're really not established. So all of these words about blessing are things yet to come, but they are the fulfillment of the promises that God has made to them uh, all along. Now, it's interesting to note that God sees beauty in his people. He sees his tent, the people in the tents, and he says those tents are beautiful. I bet if you were to poll the people and said, you know, is your tent beautiful? They probably would have said, no, it's just a tent, you know. And and remember, they've been in these tents a long time, a long time, uh, you know, and nothing, nothing makes living in tents better than rain, right? Ever done that before? Man, man, that's, that'll cure you for that. So uh, when you don't have any other choice, it doesn't matter. God sees those tents. And he sees those people and he sees them as beautiful, right? So he sees blessings and he sees a future 
where he will supply them with a great leader who will finish, who will finish and achieve ultimate blessings for them. Right? So, so all of this stuff, all Balak wanted was for Balaam to come, say a curse on them so that Balak would have his weapon of mass destruction and be able to uh, keep these people from uh, destroying him. And what has happened is uh, God has seen to it that he has blessed these people and that the blessing not only is about what's about to happen there in Moab, but is going to happen for the rest of eternity, right? So it's a pretty profound thing. Now, I want to take the rest of our time here this morning, rather than than digging into all the geographical references and all that stuff, I want to talk about the bigger picture of what's going on here, because I think that has... Uh, some more direct application for us this morning. And, and that's this. All of this that we've read about for the last several weeks has, and the strange things about the oracles and the, the sacrifices and all that stuff has been about words. Just words. Only words. Right? Um, and I think that's hard for us. Because uh, though we 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 uh, uh, we live in a day and age where communication is easier and more widespread uh, than maybe ever before, I think that we talk less to one another than we probably ever have. We communicate a lot, but I don't know how much talking we do. Right uh, when my Oldest went to uh, uh, went away to college. They told us at uh, orientation that if you ever want to uh, communicate with your kid, uh, this was several years ago. You got to be able to text with them because they'll never talk to you. And it's true, they don't talk. They text. Man, do they text? You know, I I ran into a mom after the first service, uh, and she has three daughters, and she had thirty unanswered texts just from her daughters during the hour of the first worship service. 30. In and amongst themselves and all of that. So uh, that's that's a lot of texting, right? Um, our kids, and it's very true, you know, they love to text, but they will call us on the rare occasion that they call us. And if you're not able to answer the phone, never, ever will they leave a voicemail? Because that's talking. And so it's always a nightmare because I look and I see that one of them called, but they left no message. So what happened? Is someone dying? You know, is somebody sick? Is something great happening? You never know. So, but a text gets an immediate response, right? Now, here's, here's the thing that is so um, profound about this is, is that words... Uh, are probably the most, as I'll show you in a few minutes, the most powerful things uh, in the universe. And yet, we do not think of them as being that powerful. Not really. Um, and uh, But the thing is, the thing that is true of us, one thing that is true of all of us is, is that we talk. Ironically, uh, we, we, we're talking... All the time, either to ourselves or to other people. And so, so the, the thing is that these, these words that are flowing from us and through us 
are, uh, is, is just a constant uh, in, in our lives. And so what the scriptures t- say to us and what, what's very clear to us in the Bible and what's clear to us about the nature of God and what's clear about the nature of this, uh, this story is that words have the power to bless, to build, or to curse and destroy. Now, one of the things that is, is, will be true of, of many of you, of, of probably virtually all of us, is that in 50 or 100 years, uh, most people won't, uh, the only thing that people will probably remember about you is something that you said to them. Did you know that? Probably not going to remember a lot about your career. Probably not going to remember a lot of that. But they'll remember some words that you spoke. And so one of the things that we have to see about that is, is just how powerful and profound that is. Uh, recently, uh, over this weekend, I was uh, at a, um, a, uh, a wedding, and I was with a guy that I haven't been with in a while, and we were talking, and he reminded me that 15 years ago we were at a banquet, and uh, I met his father, and I said to his father, hey... You know, I want you to know that your son is doing a great job. Now, I said that to him because I know as a dad, I want to hear that. I'd rather hear that about my kids than just about anything else. Your son's doing a good job. Your daughter's doing a good job, right? So, and it was true. I wasn't lying. (laughs) So his son really was doing a good job. I said that as an off-the-cuff remark to his dad 15 years ago, and he said, you know, do you remember when you said that to my dad 15 years ago? Powerful. I said a lot of things 15 years ago, but he remembered that, right? And so, so as, we, as we think about this, this is one of the things that, that, that uh, we have this kind of weird relationship with, with words, because on the one hand, we don't think they're that important. But on the other hand, we, uh, w- w- when, when they come to us in powerful and profound ways, they change the trajectory, the direction of our lives. They change so much about us, right? Um, and, and one of the things that it makes that so hard for us is it, there's sometimes we're just overwhelmed with the, the number of words that are coming at us, right? And so it's, it's hard for us to kind of sort through all of that to, to, to get a handle on what, uh, uh, what is most important. But you see, the thing is, the, the, the bottom line for us today is that these words have the power to bless, and God knows that. And he understands that probably better than we ever could. Next slide. <clears throat> we think that words are not important because we think of words as little utilitarian tools for making our life easier and more efficient. Especially if you think... How many words have you spoken in the last week to somebody else simply to get them to do what you wanted them to do? Right? Come on, parents. <laughs> come on, come on. Let's, let's be clear about this. You know, we, 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 uh, you know, roommates, right? Wow, you know, we, uh, the apartment looks a lot better when you do the laundry. So, uh, so, you know, the, so the, so the thing about it is we tend to think of these, these things as simple tools that'll make our lives easier and that'll kind of move things along and I can use my words to get people to do what I want them to do, right? 
but they're actually a powerful gift given by a communicating God for his divine purpose. After all, the first words ever spoken in the universe, the first words that were ever spoken by any being at all were spoken by God. One of the ways, you know, we talk a lot about people being created in the image of God and the the dignity and the worth that comes with that. Well, one of the ways that we demonstrate that we're created in the image of God is we speak. Right. And so this is this is something that's that's important and worth thinking about. So so if God speaks and he views speech and words as something that's important then we need to take a moment to think a little bit about that, right? So God speaks most clearly to us through his word, the Bible, a lot of words, right, uh, in the Bible, but even more so through the word, Jesus Christ. And so it's important for us to see and to understand that, that, that there's something about this God and something about the way that he made us that speech has an unbelievable power for us, right? Um and it is, uh, uh, it, and this is something that is, that, you know, is just, we just kind of pass off that we don't, uh, that, that we don't think very much about. Now, part of the, part of the problem with this is, part of the, the problem with speech is, sometimes we just get overwhelmed with words, you know? Uh, that's happens to me a lot. I've noticed that that's happened to me a lot as I've gotten older. Um, we were, we were at a wedding yesterday and we were, uh, the table we were sitting at and the reception, we were surrounded. One of the one of the women who was at the, the table with us pointed out to me that there were a lot of single men at this wedding. A lot of young single men. A lot of young single men making a lot of trips to the bar. And they were talking a lot. Louder and louder and louder. Uh and uh, it was so loud that to listen to the mature conversations that were going on at my table uh, was taking so much energy that after we'd been there for a while, I looked at Marty and I'm like, I got to get out of here. I, I, this is killing me. I can't, you know, I am working so hard just to talk about, you know, stuff with other people. I'm like, we, we need to get out of here. So... Uh, we were having a delightful time, uh, but I'm like, I'm getting tired by the minute, and it's because I'm having to work too hard. And, you know, who wants to work hard? Especially especially when it means listening, right? So so what's happening here in this text is we've what we've seen is a life and death conflict, right, between Balaam and uh, and God, really, between Balak and God, but it has been fought out of Israel's sight and hearing, and it's all been fought with words. Now, you hear that, and you think about that, and you think, well, that, you know, big deal. What really matters is how many soldiers does Israel have, or how many soldiers does Moab have? But God obviously thinks this battle of words matters because he spends four chapters on it. <laughs> right? Four chapters, uh, long chapters. So this, this is something that is obviously quite important to him. Well, in fact, if you look at the scriptures, that the most important battles in the Bible are fought with words. When the, when the serpent comes into the garden 
What does he do? He doesn't attack Eve with, with his venom. He attacks her with words. And what does he say? Did God say? He challenges God's communication. He challenges God's words. In Matthew chapter 4, after Jesus is baptized, what does he do? He goes out into the, into the wilderness and he has a conflict with the devil. And what do they do to each other? Do they wrestle? Do they grab each other and throw each other to the ground? No, they talk to each other. They have an argument. Right? And Jesus ends up saying to him, right? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then in Revelation 12, we see the, this vision of the saints, of all the people of God. And what we read there is that they overcame their accuser by the word of their testimony. Right? So this is a, this is a pretty important thing for us to, to, <clears throat> to, to, to understand. I, Jesus warns us uh, plenty of times in his teaching and preaching about careless words. And the reason why he does that is, to God, speech and communication is precious. And it has the power to change and shape and direct lives. When God said to Abraham that I will bless you and I will make you a blessing, those words had the power to actually be carried out and to happen right there in, in Abraham's life and in the generations that came after him. Now, I, I, I want to I illustrate this for you a, a little bit more to help you kind of come to grips with this. When, um, when our daughter was little, when, we, uh, when she was a baby, she had two older brothers, and um, I needed her to be different from her brother's. You know, uh, and it's confusing when you're a little girl and you have two older brothers and two big personalities that you think you're supposed to be like them. So I would tell her every day, sweetie, you are beautiful. You're just beautiful. You are so beautiful. Did you know that your dad thinks you're beautiful? You're beautiful. Sounds cool, doesn't it? My wife came to me and said, I want you to stop doing that. I'm like, Why? Because she's going to think that her worth and value is bound up in her looks. That's what happens when you're married to a teacher. And so you know how I responded to that? Well, I don't care. (laughs) I'm going to keep telling her she's beautiful because I think she's beautiful. And, you know, because I don't want to, well, this is an editorial comment. The other thing I said, I don't want the first time she hears she's beautiful from some jerk 14-year-old. Because <laughs> I used to be a jerk 14-year-old. Right? A few years ago, there was a great book that came out that we really liked because we kind of lived this life called The Help. And uh, it's about uh, a house servants. Uh, in the early days of the civil rights movement in Jackson, Mississippi. We lived we lived in, in Jackson, when, and we were very poor when we lived in Jackson, and Marty was the help for a little lady that lived in North Jackson. And one of the great scenes in that movie is there's a little girl, and her mom is ignoring her. Uh, but their housekeeper says to the little girl, you is kind, you is important, 
right? That matters. That matters. Now, what you could take away from this is that what we say and what we bear witness to matters. And so when we speak, in a real sense, we are speaking for our God, right? So be careful about what you say, but that's not what I want you to hear, okay? What I want you to hear today is these words, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what is in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. So appropriate the gospel in your heart. That's good. But what you have to see about this is something that's bigger than just out of your heart, your mouth speaks. You also have to see that out of the heart of God, his mouth speaks. What's true for you is true for God. And what's in the heart of God? Well, we know that by his speech. And what is his speech but to bless us? to love us, to care for us. And the clearest speech that he gives us is the word, even Jesus Christ, who lives our life, dies our death, and rises again for us. If you want to know the heart of God, you want to know what's in the heart of God, you want to know this God, he makes it clear to us. He makes his intention and his heart clear to us in the way that he has spoken to us, not just in the scripture, certainly there, but even more profoundly in his son, who is the very word of God to us. See, that, that what's true for, uh, for us is true for God, and what's true for God is true of us. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart of God, his mouth speaks. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Until he comes. Let's confess our sins uh, together uh, by using this uh, confession uh, that's printed in the bulletin. Um, Would you uh, confess your sins with me?